Welcome to the Future of Agriculture podcast, the show that explores the people, companies, and ideas that are shaping the future of agribusiness. Innovation, resourcefulness, and collaboration are essential for feeding a growing population, and we believe the agriculture industry is up for the challenge. Please welcome your host, Tim Hammerich. Howdy. Thank you so much for downloading another episode of the Future of Agriculture podcast. My name is Tim Hamrich. I'm an agribusiness recruiter and the founder of aggrad.com that connects students and young professionals to hiring agribusinesses. And thank you so much for those of you who continue to download this show. I'm amazed that the numbers continue to grow uh, every single month in terms of downloads. And I hope that means you're not tired of hearing from me yet. I think what it actually really means, though, is that we're getting some dynamic guests on here, some guests that you don't want to miss. And I I think that's true for this week as well. Those of you who have reached out to me personally to give me feedback on the podcast, I really appreciate that. Thank you either through Twitter, email, Facebook, or through giving us a rating and review on iTunes. All that stuff really matters to me, and your feedback definitely goes into influencing the future direction we head with this show. And there are a lot of exciting things kind of in the hopper for 2017 related to the podcast. Some of them I can't quite talk about yet, but they're coming. And I'll get a couple hints is that we're doing some things with video. We're doing some things with live events and uh, possibly doing some things with other podcasters as well. So that will be as much detail as I'll get into right now, but certainly some exciting things in store. If you'd like to stay up to date with all of that, I would love to start sending you an occasional email update about the Future of Agriculture podcast. The way you can sign up for that is if you go to aggrad.com and make sure you click over to the podcast section. Any page of an individual podcast episode will have a form that asks of you to put in your name and your email address. If you do that, I will send you just podcast-specific information. I'm not going to hit you up about every job I'm recruiting for. I'm not going to hit you up about what I ate for breakfast this morning, but it will be information specific to what we talk about here on the podcast. Maybe that's the show themselves. Maybe it's a live event we're doing. Maybe it's what I mentioned about video and other podcasts. Maybe it's related to a piece that I've written uh, as a reflection or inspired by a podcast episode. I'd love to share all that stuff with you all. I'm putting that out there now. I'm just not putting it in one sort of uh, centralized place, but I'd like to start doing that with this email list. So go to aggrad.com, go to the podcast section and, and put your name and email address in on any of those pages there. Would love to keep in touch that way. Last weekend, we had our annual ag grad meeting and started talking about the future of social media and the future of sort of online content. And we kind of went around the table and talked about what we saw as sort of future platforms that were really just kind of about to explode. And Hannah Miller, who's our social media manager, said something that was profound to me, I thought. And she said that she actually thinks YouTube was going to continue to grow rapidly in popularity. Now, YouTube's been around a long time. A lot of people are using it. It's not a new term. Probably You're probably not hearing the term YouTube for the first time. But her reasoning made a lot of sense, and it was talking about how young the YouTube audience and the YouTube content creators were. You know, you've got kids that are less than 10 years old with their own YouTube channel that's wildly successful. And guess who's watching that? Other 
kids that are less than 10 years old, unless you're a weirdo. <laughs> so generally speaking, the audience is young. The creators are young, and probably that's going to be something that they stick with in the future. And I, I think that just made so much sense and speaks to the importance of our guest here today. Matthew Sliger is a rice farmer from Gridley, California, and he has a website called RiceFarmingTV.com. It's also a YouTube channel, hence where I was going with that. What he does is called vlogging. Vlogging is a catchy term that combines video and blogging, so it's somebody who documents their life through video. If you haven't heard the term before, there is another very famous vlogger, not in agriculture, but in New York City, named Casey Neistat, who I followed for quite a bit of time and consumed a lot of his content because it, it's just so interesting. He's just documenting his life, but he's doing so in such a unique format that it, it's incredibly engaging. So imagine my excitement when I found rice farming TV about a month and a half ago, because what Matthew does is document his life, specifically his life in rice farming through vlogging, very similar to Casey Neistat. In fact, I would call him, and I might title this episode accordingly, the Casey Neistat of agriculture, because he has such an amazing way to tell stories through video. And he's not telling stories in a made up sort of way. He's just documenting his life and his agricultural journey, but he does so in just an incredibly artistic and interesting way. So if you haven't checked out RiceFarmingTV.com, go there now, pause the episode. You'll probably want to watch all 20 of his videos and then come back and listen to the rest so you could hear his, his story in audio format. But he does just an exceptional job. As soon as I saw his first video, I watched his second. It wasn't long before I went through every single video he had and said, I got to get this guy on the podcast. He spends two months in Brazil after the rice harvest is over, which is where he is now, but he was still kind enough to join me on the podcast. So very excited to welcome and introduce you to Matthew Sliger of Rice Farming TV. Matthew Sliger of Rice Farming TV, really excited to have him on the podcast today. Matthew, you and I haven't met in person yet, but I feel like I know you from watching all of your YouTube videos. Thanks for being here. Well, Tim, first of all, thank you for having me on uh, the Future of Agriculture podcast. I really think it's a great service you are providing uh, to students uh, graduating with ag grad, and uh, the podcast is just such a cool resource, and uh, I'm just really happy to be here, and here's a virtual high five. Nice to meet you, my man. Hey, right back at you. Definitely doing some great things with Rice Farming TV, uh, innovative things. I I'm curious for starters here, what gave you the inspiration to launch this YouTube channel, Rice Farming TV? Uh, well, in the industry of, of rice, uh, I, I just wanted to promote uh, U.S. Uh, rice, I, and more specifically, of course, California. When I would visit uh, friends in the cities, whether it's the Bay Area or down south, uh, I'd be chatting uh, with people, and no one knew that rice was even farmed in California, even people that lived in California. And so I wanted to kind of uh, give that exposure. Also, uh, last year, or 2015 rather, uh, medium grain rice from California uh, won the world's best tasting rice award. So not only do we grow rice in California, it's a premium award-winning quality rice. If you're eating sushi in California, it's probably medium grain rice uh, that has been uh, grown in California. Perhaps actually if you're eating sushi anywhere in the United States, that was probably grown in California. 
And you're so proud of your California rice that you did a YouTube video during Halloween where kids would show up at your door and instead of giving them candy, you'd give them rice. How was the reaction to that? It was absolutely amazing. The kids were super great sports. Uh, yeah, I, I just, you know, I, I started that, that the Halloween special, putting uh, the trick uh, back into Trick or Treat is the title of that. I, I don't know. I actually got that idea after the fifth uh, group of kids came by and I was handing out candies and I said, let's uh, spice it up a little bit and, and kind of trick them. But they, some, you know, some loved it. Some didn't love it. Some thought it was funny. Some thought it was serious. Some took it. Some didn't take it. However, I must say that after the, the prank uh, was over, everyone got a, a piece of candy uh, and it got great reception. This video, the local uh, TV news picked it up uh, and they, they aired a clip of it um, on TV and, and had a little uh, spot about me and, and rice farming TV. So it really worked out great. And I think it's a hilarious uh, video. And, and if I also may add, uh, uh, we got a message from one of the moms of, of the kids who saw this video. Her son has autism and he didn't want to go out trick-or-treating. He didn't want to knock on strangers' houses. Uh, he didn't want to dress up in a costume asking for something. Uh, but, you know, he went out with, with his friends, and he came up to this door, and he uh, is in the video, and he politely declined the rice. Uh, and then, of course, when he was walked away, I called him back and gave him a piece of candy, and he was very polite when he got this candy. So when his mom saw this video, uh, she saw that he was polite. She wrote me a message on, on Facebook saying that it was great for her uh, to see her her child interacting uh, within society or whatsoever, uh, and and how he was polite, uh, declining, polite, accepting the candy, and uh, she just said it was really special. I read that message to my wife uh, Clara, and we both kind of teared up at just the the really emotional response that the mom gave us, and how she was so happy and proud of of her son after seeing that video. So a very special video, and, and all kinds of different reasons. That's fantastic. Yeah, I didn't know that part of the story. I can just remember I watched the video and my daughter's three years old. She's going through this thing where she uh, doesn't want to go to sleep without us sitting right outside her room. So I was sitting outside her room watching your YouTube video and I just started laughing laughing out loud, which of course reset the whole going to bed process. But it was, it was just so funny, the kid's response to getting grains of rice rather than candy. But very cool story about uh, the mother who, who contacted, you after, contacted you afterwards. I didn't, I didn't realize that at all. Um, yeah. It, it's amazing with these things you just kind of put something out into the world your own creation and the responses you get back are not what you would have expected but but in a lot of cases like that even better than you would expect absolutely and i mean you just you you i would never think that i would get uh, a message a facebook message from a mom uh like that it's just uh, it's been really really rewarding and that's half half the 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 other half of of putting these videos out there. It's not just to promote uh, California rice, but it's to entertain uh, and educate people. And I've gotten messages and responses from both sides, both that people have been entertained and, and educated. So I've gotten a lot of really positive responses and that's been rewarding. And that really pushes me to continue doing the next and next video. Yeah, I, I love that. And I actually didn't think about it until you just kind of vocalized it there. But, you know, the same thing with the podcast. People ask, well, why do you do the podcast? Have you ever, you know, got recruits out of the podcast or clients? And, and that's not really the point. It, you know, the point isn't why I started it. And maybe this is the same for you. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but uh, you, you kind of create 
something that you think is interesting and shares your story and, and the responses can just be even better than you would have intended. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I've listened to a few of your podcasts and they're, and they're great. And I'm not surprised that you get positive responses. And, and, and I, yes, I agree with you. Those positive responses reinforce what you're doing, gives you the positive energy to continue what you're doing. And it, it's just really rewarding this is simply put what what do your family think when you first started doing this you're kind of setting up cameras and you're talking to a camera and you're you're putting together shots what do they think of all this my well my family let's uh, you know i i started doing it on my own free time um you know so it was kind of after work and and when when i'm out there in the rice fields for a majority of the time uh you know outside of of the the groundbreaking and planting season and harvest season i'm i'm pretty much out there solo you know so uh, i'm not around uh too many people when i'm setting up the camera however i do remember uh one episode in in which um i was going to film us putting the last finishing touches on the combines before harvest we're putting the drapers on uh that feed the combines the, the freshly cut rice uh straw and rice and uh one of the employees said uh, you're gonna film this and uh, i said well yeah i'm gonna do a time lapse you know it's gonna speed right through it uh, the hour of work is just gonna go by in about a minute and um he goes uh yeah well there might be some cussing and uh, i say well don't worry with these time lapses you know it won't record uh audio so it'll be okay so that was a kind of little funny funny instance there when i first brought out the the camera but you, you know i i i did three episodes before i launched rice farming tv and and nobody really saw me filming in those three episodes so everyone saw the episodes after i had filmed them i showed my parents you know my wife uh friends and then they were already online and 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 they were just wowed by them they you know, got a little bit emotional actually. Um, and they just really enjoyed them. And, and so then the next time when I brought the cameras out, it was just like, Oh cool. You're doing another episode. What's this one going to be about? That's great. And I know you even took, uh, your filming to the rice experiment station field day and had other rice farmers around. I imagine you might've got some, uh, some second looks there when you're, when you're filming everything. Yes, that is, that is absolutely, uh, correct. And, and it was, it was funny because most of that I filmed on my iPhone, um, you know, just kind of shooting a selfie. And, um, and so, yes, I did get some, some glances and I tried not to pay much attention to them. Um, I mean, I, I'm not going to say dirty looks, but you know, they were just looks and, um, I mean, no one was walking around interviewing people at the rice experiment station with a cell phone. And, um, and, you know, I think after probably those people, that 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 were either in the the episode um, or that saw me filming. I, if they saw the video afterwards, I think they they were pretty proud, or they just thought it was a cool representation of something that they had, uh, you know, participated in. So it it ended up okay. What gave you the confidence or self esteem? Because with something like this, you, people don't really get it until they see the end product. To kind of go at it alone by yourself, and then you know now that it's it's becoming very popular and obviously it's really quality work. People are coming around and saying, "Yeah, this is great." But kind of what gave you the the sort of fortitude to, to go at it alone initially? Ah, oh, that's a great question, Tim. Um, you know, I I am I think my own toughest critic you know and when i edit those videos 
I am paying attention to milliseconds. I'm paying attention to uh, my tone of voice, uh, the wind, you know, just I'm constantly thinking, am I getting bored? Am I getting bored? And I'll watch uh, the, the, the process of the video coming together probably, I don't know, 50 times. You know, I'll watch 30 seconds of, of eight or 10 different pieces that are clipped together there in that, that you know, short amount of time. And I'll scrutinize it, and and when it's done, uh, it's something that I believe is entertaining and educational and has some value. And I just don't think I would put something out there uh, that I didn't feel happy about. Uh, so once something is out there, uh, it's gone and it's got my certification on it, and I'll stand by it um, because I've just scrutinized it so much. So that I think that. Knowing that about myself, that I'm a semi-perfectionist when it comes to this sort of thing, I, 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 I'm not afraid uh, once it gets out there. However, if you know, not to make a long story, uh, uh, a long story, sh- well, to make, to make a long story short as well, I, I, you know, I've done a lot of projects in, in school, high school and college that put me in front of a classroom that were creative projects. And so I've, I've been kind of trained in this, in this area of not to, uh, be fearful of of putting something out there. My basketball coach used to say, uh, the only, the only shot, uh, you for sure will not make is the one that you don't take. And so, you know, you gotta, you just gotta put it out there and see what happens. Right. Where did you go to college? Uh, UC Santa Cruz. I studied modern American literature there. I took a, a few creative, uh, writing classes. Uh, so in, in my literature classes, I would read, uh, essays or film projects that I would do, um, turning screenplays into film projects with a, a film major friend of mine, um, or in the creative writing classes, writing short stories and then, and then distributing those to the classmates to get feedback on. Um, so yeah, I, I love, I absolutely love my time there at UC Santa Cruz. And did you know at that point that you would return to the family farm? No, at that, at that, well, I, I knew at that point I definitely would not return to the family farm. Hmm. That was not, you know, in my 20s, um, my hometown of Gridley with a population of 6,000 people uh, did not, you know, frankly interest me um, for social and cultural opportunities. So I, I didn't study abroad in college. I, I did all my years there at UC Santa Cruz. So I wanted that abroad experience. And so after I graduated, um, I did come back uh, for one summer and help my dad out. I mean, I had frequently uh, come back and, and helped my dad out. And of course, when I was younger, I always worked on the farm. Uh, but after that summer, after graduating, I, um, I, I went to Europe and I, I lived there for six years. I lived in the Pro- in Prague, Czech Republic for six years. Now, your wife is from Brazil, which is actually where you are now, for those listening. Uh, how did you meet her? Yeah, I met her in Prague. I met her in 2008. I moved to Prague in 2006, met her in 2008, had a great time, lost contact. She came back to Germany to visit her brother who was stu- studying abroad. Uh, she said that she was back in Europe in 2010. I said, oh, I'm too busy. Uh with work there in Prague, why don't you come? And, and uh, we met up again in Prague. And then since then, uh, from 2008 till basically 2012, or I'm sorry, and from 
from 2010 until 2012, we maintained a long distance relationship in that every two months we would somehow meet up, whether that was her traveling from Brazil to Prague, me from Prague to Brazil, or us both traveling and meeting up in California. And uh, we sustained a long distance relationship with technology uh, in those long travels. Um, and then uh, we came together in 2012 and, and later in uh, 2013, we, we got married. Great. What's she think of uh, rice farming and rice farming TV? Well, she thinks it's awesome. You know, she, like I said, when uh, my family saw some of the first videos, uh, they got emotional. My, my wife was certainly emotional. And so she really likes the entertainment value of them. And, and she sees the reception that it's getting from, from people on, online and, and from the media, uh, you know, such as yourself. And, uh, and and so she she really likes him. However, if I can be candid, I, I also think that um, she would like a little bit more attention um, when I'm editing the videos. You know, I, I get trapped in my own little world and I, I try to work on that and find a balance between work, um, family life and hobby. And I consider rice farming TV at this point uh, just a, a hobby, really. I mean, it's not sustainable and it's not making any money. There's no advertisements on it. And so um, I, I just need to try to find a balance. And so I try, I try to do the editing uh, when she goes to sleep or, or when she wants to watch The Bachelor. So I, I kind of stay, stay out of her family family time you don't want to watch the bachelor i, I occasionally i do you know <laughs> when i'm tired or when i when the video's done I'll, I'll go in and i'll ask okay what happened all right you know? <laughs> i want to make but, sure yeah yeah but you know there's always those spin-offs and stuff like then on paradise and i just you know or, or they recall the guy or whatever so it's you know it's sometimes it's gets a little much all right well how, how much time does this take it, it um, you were mentioning earlier about the amount of care and attention you put into the editing process in every millisecond, and it really shows. Uh, how much time does that take? You put out an episode every week, to my, uh, is my understanding, and, and, and how much time in that week does it take to film and edit one episode? That's a, that's a great question, and it really, to, not to skirt around the, the, the question, it really depends on the, the video. Um, but I would say, on average, I could spend easily four hours editing if I got, you know, a, a clear, you know, I'm, I'm focused, no distractions. I, I could put a video out in, in four hours of, of editing. And I, I got a routine now and I've done so many videos that, that that's pretty quick, you know, um, when you spread four hours across the week. But then, of course, you got to you got to include filming it and filming it. I do while at work or after work um, and and usually if I know what I want to film or what the, the story of the episode is, I've already kind of premeditated the shots. And, of course, what I'm going to say, um, I've premeditated how I'm going to edit it. So it, it, I have this nice kind of like flow chart in my head um, from shooting to editing. Um, so, you know, I for an episode, I usually only film probably a couple hours maximum unless it's kind of like a, a tour of something. For example, in episode 16, which is... 260 million pounds of rice to dry i visited a dryer and and the manager of the dryer gave me a tour that was for four or five hours and so of course i filmed the entire the entire time so you know it, it really depends on on the episode and and also as you know with doing the podcast there's always the this uh 
posting it online, writing the YouTube description, uh, posting it on my website, adding it to Facebook, answering comments, questions that are on the that uh, on YouTube, and and emailing, trying to create context to spread it out there. I mean, only half the battle in this social media game is creating the content. The other half is finding outlets to. To to, have, to to post and to, to get the content out there. I mean, I can po- put it on my YouTube video and a certain amount of people are going to watch it. If I can put it on a Facebook group or something that has similar interests, then I, I just, uh, you know, doubled the potential audience. And so right. that's the other half. It's a lot, so it's a lot of work. Yeah, definitely. And with that, I, I was really intrigued when I watched that 260 million pounds of rice to dry. I used to run a grain elevator and I know uh, my employer would have been really nervous about me having someone out there around filming Generally speaking, have have you run into any roadblocks in terms of people not wanting you to film certain things? No, I haven't. Uh, no, actually, I you know, but uh, and really that that visiting the Red Top Rice Dryer on that episode is really so thus far the only place where I've kind of gone outside the rice farm or outside uh, vacation time and things like that. I know at the airport. Um, when I, I filmed uh, the Mile High Surprise, the lady didn't want me to, to film the, uh, I don't even know what, the gate monitor that's showing the, the, the flight number and the location and the time. And, and at, at an airport, I can understand that's sensitive. One time, uh, a guy uh, wrecked a set of doubles uh, at, during harvest, and I started filming the cleanup. And he was like, hey, no, don't film this. I think he was kind of just embarrassed. And I didn't even I didn't even post the the images there. And I, you know, I wanted to stay positive anyway, but, you know, never know. But so I, I but to answer your question directly, no, I haven't run into much roadblocks, luckily. And I and I and I think it's because of my charming personality, I hope. I, that has to be it. That image you got for the Mile High Surprise episode is just perfect. Although it looks like the, the stewardess is more surprised than your wife is. The stewardess in the background looks shocked that you're there. <laughs> yeah, she was absolutely shocked. And thank goodness for that because she added to – because my wife was uh, almost dumbfounded more more than surprised. You know, what are you doing on this airplane? plane when you need to be going home to work uh you know and, but the, yeah this and so she did wasn't my clara my wife she wasn't saying much but the stewardess yeah she she let out a little squeal and she was happy <laughs> and clapped before clara even really knew what was what was happening so yeah that that was that was a very fortunate uh episode there that all that came together i mean the shots and things like that yeah, and the whole process of you kind of wanting to to be there in time but not to be seen, it looked like uh, quite an ordeal for you. But h- yeah. how, how did you – I mean, there's – you know, like I told you before, I'm a big fan of Casey Neistat, and, and really what you're doing is, you know, in some ways a lot like what he does, only you're the only one that I've ever seen do this in a really interesting way in agriculture, you know, the vlog. How did you learn to do it? I mean, had, have you had experience with – film before um well back at uc santa cruz my my senior project was writing a screenplay and then i guess for extra credit uh i wanted to uh, turn that screenplay into a film just to do it and i got i don't know eight students together uh it was a a crazy project it turned out great got an a plus but i think that and you know watching that film student edit and sitting down with him and saying what i wanted done uh i don't think it really i don't think it taught me a whole lot but it just made me comfortable with editing movies you know that you can do it that anyone can do it you know uh and 
but to get to how I am now with editing, I, I think it's just practice, you know. I, I, I think my first video will be not as good as my last video that I uploaded. I hope every video gets better, whether that's me getting more comfortable with the editing software. And I I just use the, the, the stock software on my, on my Mac, uh, iMovie. Uh, so everyone has that. Whether you use a Mac or use Windows, you've got uh, Windows Movie Maker on that computer. So, I mean, it's nothing special you know it's nothing professional whatsoever and you mentioned uh casey neistat and i thank you for mentioning that to me because he's a major inspiration to me uh his positivity the way he makes his videos um and i I certainly have drawn inspiration from him um and i just hope uh that uh, I can do that correlation justice you know um and and like you said also that Vloggers usually are, are coming out of cities, big cities, and, and that I'm, I think, a, a rarity in terms of vlogging on a, on a farm. I know there are, are some out there, but um, I, I, I think this style um, is super dynamic, and you can be extremely educational uh, within this style, uh, and it will still be entertaining, and I hope the viewer will learn something uh, without feeling as if they're being taught. Um, and so thank you for mentioning uh, Casey Neistat because, again, he's a, a major inspiration. And if he's listening to this podcast, thank you, Casey. I'm sure I'm sure he's listening. <laughs> I'm sure he is, too. Yeah. I mean, he's got so much time on his hands. That's right. No longer doing the daily vlog. But uh, this, now you mentioned, you know, anyone could do it. If there are people out there listening that say either they are they're farmers themselves or work with farming and agriculture and think, oh, this would be a neat way to tell my story. Do they need to go buy fancy equipment? I know you mentioned your editing software wasn't anything uh, elaborate, but could they could they just do this with their phone? Yes. If they have a computer and they have a phone, they can do it. And, you know, yes, I mentioned that I'm using the stock uh, editing software that comes with any computer. Um, and I'm and I've used like in the uh, rice experiment station field day video, I used my my iPhone. You know, so if if they had any doubts about that, watch that episode and and know that those are the two things that I used. I I did use a point and shoot camera, but I mean everyone also has a point and shoot camera. You can do it with an iPhone. And the thing is, uh, and what I really think uh, is. is you got to do it. You got to do one video. And the important thing is, of course, the story, what you're trying to convey, maybe write it down, think about what you're going to say, uh, and, and do it. And you know what, it might not be that good. Uh, but the second one will be better. And the third one will be better. And the fourth one will be better. And it'll keep getting better. And um, before you know it, you'll uh, be be talking to the Tim Hammerich on the Future of Agriculture podcast. It, it could happen. <laughs> what? Uh, how, how do you decide what in your life you want to tell a story on? You know, you you take very small kind of snippets of your life and share them with us in just an r- extremely interesting way. I mean, I, seriously, I, I've seen you're the only YouTube channel I think that I've ever, I've seen every single video uh, beginning to end, and and I can't wait for the next one. And, and one of your recent episodes in is it Join Vile? Is that how you say that? 
Join Vili, yeah. Yeah, join Vili in Brazil, the town where you are, are staying in for these two months. You basically filmed yourself on a scooter riding around the city, and that one has been your most viewed video, uh, kind of gone mini viral. You're like a local celebrity down there. H- how do you decide what to capture and what to share with us? Yeah, well, first of all, Tim, thank you uh, for your nice comments about... Um, how you've been enjoying the channel and the videos. Thank you very much for saying that. I really appreciate that feedback and and that positivity, uh, you know, pushes me uh, to do more. So thank you very much uh, because you're you're feeding the creativity. Thank you. Um, Well, the the episodes, you know, I try on the channel, the episodes, I try to kind of create them in a, a, as a whole, you know, all the episodes put together from episode one to whatever we're at now or whatever we'll be at in the future uh, is telling a linear story. There's a big story there. Uh, and that is my life as a rice farmer. Right. So it's it's easy um, to to go through the growing process. You know, I didn't start while planting rice. I started just before harvest. So, you know, I, I just did an episode about every kind of phase up until harvest. And then we harvested and I did a video about what we do uh, with the fields after we harvest. Uh, that episode's uh, titled Rice, the Environmental Crop. And uh, and then, then what do I do as a rice farmer? I went on vacation, you know. Um, it's winter. There's not much to do. The equipment's all repaired. Uh, the, the straw is decomposing in the rice fields over winter. So we, we went on vacation. And we go on vacation to my wife's hometown, Join Vili, as you mentioned. And um, that's what we do. And so I need to introduce Join Vili to you guys, the viewers, because that's a big part of my life. Um, it's a big part of my wife's life, obviously. Um, and I, yes, I, I rode around on a scooter, kind of gave some history about the city. That was the story that I wanted to tell. There was, uh, you know, immediately uh, there's two coincidences about Join Vili, which I mentioned in the video. It's surrounded by rice fields and it's, uh, you know, colonized by Germans and my mom's German. So I have these connections to the city and I wanted to share uh, those connections in that video. Um Although I haven't yet visited a rice field, I'm editing that video now. Uh, and, and and as you said, it went mini viral. Um, and and remember back when I said half the half the um, half the battle is uh, producing the video; the other half is finding where to put it. I found a Facebook group uh, called Join Vili Gionte, which in Portuguese means Join Vili of Yesterday. So it was a group, a Facebook group of 25,000 people that was all about the history of Join Vili. And bam, I posted it there, and it got a thousand likes uh, that, uh, on on the Facebook, you know, link on the, the YouTube. Got tons of views, thousands of views. And yes, as you said, it went mini viral. I actually was interviewed by the local paper here, the the biggest local paper here that serves 600,000 people, the population of the city. Uh, And I was on the cover of that uh, issue. Uh, I have that link on my website, but uh, I'll do a YouTube uh, episode about that in the future. Um, And yeah, it went mini viral and it's crazy. And and this opens a a whole other door. I mean, this is a kind of a side, a, a tangent on why I also... Uh, do videos that aren't about rice farming. I mean, Join Vili doesn't really have much about rice farming. It has to do about me, but not rice farming. Um, but 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 to kind of go back and answer your question again directly, um, the things I choose to show in my videos are the big phases in my life, which is 
cyclical, so to speak. So I know these phases very well during the growing process, my vacation, what you know, what we're going to do, and, and that's I just take those chunks, those phases, and I, I make a video about them. Do you speak Portuguese? I do. And did yeah. you speak that before before you met your wife? I did not. No, I met her. Well, well you know, I, not, the, in, when I met her in 2008, no, I didn't start learning it. When I met her again in 2010 and we started our relationship, I started right away. I got a, a private teacher there in Prague. Um, I, I downloaded uh, Rosetta Stone. I used that. Um, I, I, when I visited her in, in Brazil, I would hire a, a teacher and um, and then a, and and. And, and communicating with her, we would communicate sometimes in Portuguese. You know, I would try to learn and, and push myself to do it. She spoke English quite well, so I mean, I didn't need to learn Portuguese. But you know, and also spending so much time here in Brazil, that's helped over the years. I'm continuously getting better. I, I don't speak um, at a professor's level or anything like that, uh, but I, I do get around quite well, and uh, I got room to grow. So, but yes, I do, I do speak Portuguese, and it's solely uh, because of my wife. What was your job in Prague? What were you doing there? I was working in tourism. Um, at the beginning, I was teaching English and working as a bike tour guide. Uh, history fascinates me, and I think it's important when you're living or visiting um, the places you're going to to at least read up on it. Um, so I, I was working in tourism. I started with uh, two colleagues, one Greek guy and a, a Czech guy, uh, their names are Georgios and Victor, and great guys. I miss them terribly, uh, but we started a little thing there called uh, the Prague Pub Crawl, and right now I'm pretty sure it might be one of the biggest pub crawls in Europe, and if you've ever visited Prague, uh, it's that T-shirt uh, with a very simple T-shirt with a white logo of two um, simple characters cheersing uh, uh, beer mugs together, and it says Prague Pub Crawl in red um, on that T-shirt, and it says "Crawl with me" on the back. And uh, we we started that, and um, and it, and it's a success to this day. I spoke to those guys a couple weeks ago, um, and every, they're doing great. It's just really cold over there right now. Is there a Gridley Pub Crawl yet? No, and there will not be, and there will not be. You know, and this goes, this comes full circle. You asked uh, earlier if I knew I was going to come back uh, to Gridley after graduating to farm, and I said, you know, it just wasn't interesting to me culturally and, and socially. Uh, in my thirties, running a pub crawl is some, and starting a young family is something uh, I wouldn't want to do. Uh, the late nights, the the debauchery, you know, that surrounds you. Uh, just, I don't think it would be healthy uh, for me. I'll speak for myself. Um, but a small, tranquil agricultural town of six thousand people, where everyone knows everyone and is looking out for everybody, um, is a is a mighty fine place uh, to raise a family, and where you where you also have uh, good work, um, and you can provide a, a stable. Uh, lifestyle for that family, be close to your family. Um, so in my 30s, I got out of the, the pub crawling business and I got back into the rice business uh, with my pops, George. And you have kids now. Do you hope to one day pass the farm along to your children? I have one daughter named Elena right now. We're planning another in, in a year or so. So, um, But to answer your question, I you know, I, I it's hard to say, but 
I, I'm indifferent right now. You know, I want to say to my children um, that they can do whatever they want and they can pursue whatever they want. So I don't want to plant any sort of seeds. I mean, they should know that the opportunity would be there for them. Um, if the interest is there, of course, I'll facilitate uh, help in whatever way. Uh, but I want to leave the door completely open uh, to whatever career or wh- whatever place they want to live in. Um, and, and just leave that wide open to them and let them decide in their way. As, as a storyteller, when you look at the future of agriculture, what story sort of do you see developing? What do you see in the future of agriculture? Oh, well, I, I think uh, water is going to be a big issue. Um, I, I, I just don't know how, that, how that's going to work out. I think big data is going to play a big part in agriculture as well, and that's whether that's monitoring uh, usage, particularly water usage, um, big data, whether you're using technology like self-driving tractors, um, you know, you do, you, you run the tractor through the field once or the drone or whatever once, and you use that data the next year, next year, next year. And, and I think the statistics that are going to be gained from yield monitors and, uh, combined with, uh, the data from your automated tractors. I, I don't know. I think it's going to just give us a different perspective on things. Uh, we're going to be able to do things more uh, efficiently. I think we're going to have to do things more efficiently with policies that may be coming in, whether that's, uh, again, water usage or herbicide and pesticide usage. So I think things are going to change a lot. Th- some things that will make it easier on the farmer and then some things that are going to make it difficult on the farmer. Um but I, it'll certainly be interesting, and I, I hope I'm I'm there for the change uh, as much as as much as possible. And if so, if somebody's listening out there and they've never heard, seen your channel on YouTube, what video would you point them to to start? Just the first one, or w- what video would you say? Take a look here, and then see if you want to watch the rest of them. Oh man, yeah, that's a. That's a great question. I mean, the first one kind of just introduces the channel. It's short. It's two minutes. I, I, I guess that would be the obvious, uh, the obvious answer. Um, but I, I don't know. You know, if it was someone that's interested in in rice farming, I would say take a look at look at. Oh, I would say take a look at how to harvest rice because that's a pretty good overview of how we harvest rice. Um, if something wanted, if someone wanted something more personal, I would say take a look at a mile high surprise. It, I don't know. It just really depends on the person. But you know, if I had to pick one, I would just say, hey, start at the beginning. It's two minutes, uh, and watch the second one. Yeah, and that's what I did. I think you know what I, one I really enjoyed was uh, the one of you irrigating. The um, I think it's episode three, draining physically draining. I really enjoyed that one. Just I felt like it was a very real look at sort of daily life out there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that that was certainly that I worked up a sweat uh, filming that one uh, with all the shoveling. That yeah, that's a that's been a, a very popular one as as well. And it also kind of before I get into the shoveling, I kind of explain the anatomy of a rice field too, and I think that kind of helps people just um, paint a picture of of what is going on out there in, in that just you know sea of green. You know, absolutely. Well, I I couldn't say enough great things about what you're doing Matthew I, I, I think it's fantastic I uh, I am a fan and I've already created at least two other fans that I know of um, that have watched every episode as well so I know we're all eagerly waiting uh, future episodes and, and just keep doing what you're doing I'm really enjoying it Any, anything else you'd like to share here before we let you go to uh, to a Brazilian barbecue tonight 
Yeah, well, again, Tim, I can't thank you enough uh, for these kind words, and I really appreciate you sharing them with me. I appreciate you you inviting me onto the podcast. I, you know, I don't. I would just like to share with people that um, I hope they can learn something uh, about rice or about life or whatever from my channel. I hope they find some value. And if not, I just would like to thank them for the time of, of checking it out. And, and just, I've been really grateful. You know, it's only, it's not even been about five months since I started it. And I've just gotten such a great reception from people of the industry, journalists and, and fans on online that I just feel really blessed. And I'd just like to do a catch all thank you to everybody because I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Matthew Sliger of Rice Farming TV. Go check it out on YouTube or you can visit his website. Matthew's at ricefarmingtv.com. Is that right? Yes, ricefarmingtv.com or, or any any social media um, at ricefarmingtv. Hope you enjoyed that discussion with Matthew Sliger of Rice Farming TV as much as I did. He is as nice of a guy as he sounds in that interview. Uh, in the short time that we've been corresponding online, I've been struck by how kind and how responsive and just how humble uh, Matthew is because he has uh, probably my favorite YouTube channel that I've discovered here in the past year. So I, I definitely think you need to check that out. And I hope that there's more vloggers that pop up in, in agriculture because I do believe in the medium. Uh, I wish I was as talented as Matthew was to do that. I'm going to stick with audio mainly because I've got a face for it, but uh, I definitely encourage you to check out Matthew Sliger of Rice Farming TV. Uh, had a great time interviewing him and look forward to someday getting out there and visiting his farm in Gridley, California. Thank you so much for listening to the Future of Agriculture podcast. I hope you can join the email list by following the instructions at the beginning of the show. And you can always join us on Facebook by searching for the Future of Agriculture on Facebook. And you'll find our group asked to join. And I would be glad to approve you myself. Thanks and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Future of Agriculture podcast with Tim Hammerich. Visit aggrad.com. That's A-G. GRAD.com today to get connected into careers in the agriculture industry. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.